Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. I was eating a Jack's Pizza, watching TV, and I saw them uh, give each other a high five, and then I saw them hug. And I went, that's weird. It's been a while. I was driving today uh, with my wife and I, I thought to myself, I don't know when, but there's gonna be like a national day of hugging that I'm gonna institute at some point in the future. I don't know if it's gonna be after the vaccine. I don't know if it's after they've put the microchip in all of us. There's gonna be a day where I'm staying with the sandwich uh, board sign that just says, hug me, I'm here. I'm just telling you, we're gonna get there. My arms are gonna get tired and you'll all be welcome to come by. Until then, stay six feet away from me, put a mask on. I can tell you're smiling by your eyes, all right? Uh, Every great act of love demands a response. We see that over and over again. We, we watch it on television. We watch it in the relationships that we're close to. Every great act of love demands a response. And sometimes you can tell a lot about the person by the way they respond. Husbands, track with me. If your wife is out at Target for the day, and while she's gone, you uh, find yourself vacuuming the, ha- the, the floors, and then you wipe down the countertops, and then you fold the towels the way they're supposed to be folded, and you send the kids to grandma's house, and you light the candles, and you turn on Michael Bolton because you're bold, and you decide to put some flower petals all over the house, When she walks in the house, she's guessing that we're not playing Sudoku, right? She's assuming that you don't wanna talk, right? There's a response to the act of love. When your kids are hanging out in the house and you finally ask them to do something, we get frustrated when they push back and go, why? Why do I have to do that? How much are you gonna pay me? I'm not paying you. I'm allowing you to live. That's why. Well, why? Because your mom and I love you. We put a roof over your head. We put a bed in the room. We've got food in the pantry. We've got, we pay for doctor's visits. And when you don't brush your teeth, we pay for dentist appointments. And when you want toys, we buy you toys. And when you don't like those toys, we buy you different toys. But we can't throw out the toys you don't like anymore because those are supposed to help me find Jesus when I'm walking in the middle of the night. It's because we love you. And we look at those kids and we get frustrated because they're not responding to our great act of love. Is there anybody at all of our locations that's tracking with me? If you are just a hand raise, a hand clap, a something. Yeah, because that's when we love somebody and we pour out our love on them and it's not re- we, they don't receive it, they don't respond to it, it's frustrating. Jennifer and I, um, we had two kids pretty close to one another. And uh, her choice, not mine. And 
uh, we found ourselves paying for childcare for two kids at the exact same time. And I, I remember the first month I wrote the full check for two kids in childcare at the exact same time. And I turned to Jennifer and I said, I didn't know that we could have afforded a second home. I didn't know we could drive an Escalade. I didn't know we were Escalade people. I had no idea. But when you add up two kids at this weekly rate for four weeks, it adds up quick. And I will be honest with you, sometimes the second home sounds a whole lot better than two kids. It's like, what's the return policy on this? But deep down inside, you know you can't do it, you love them, and so you continue to pour out your love, and there's this small part of you that's hoping that one day they'll respond. I was watching my kids play. Zane, I don't, I, he must have been two or three, and I was mesmerized by him. Couldn't peel my eyes off of him. And I remember picking up the phone, maintaining watching my son, and I called my dad. And I said, I'm looking at my son and I can't peel my eyes off of him. And I know that there had to have been a moment in time when you were looking at me the same way and you couldn't peel your eyes off of me. It was while I was loving my son that I realized how much I was loved by my father. Are there some lessons that you learned, those of you who've grown up and you've started to have to do the parent thing, that all of a sudden it puts stuff in context of what your parents went through with you? Like I remember when my parents helped me get my first car, I wasn't nearly as grateful as I should have been because when it came time for me to help somebody get their car, I was expecting a foot massage and palm branches when I walked around the house, right? I wasn't nearly as thankful for my parents helping me through college financially as when I started to help somebody else through college financially, it was like, this is a lift? And then I'm like, mom, dad, I just gotta be honest with you, I didn't say it when I was going through college, but dear God, thank you, right? Because you, you start to experience and recognize what has actually happened on your behalf, and then hopefully you respond. And maybe the reason so many of us struggle in our relationship with Jesus, maybe the reason so many of us have a hard time responding well to Jesus is we are ignorant of what all we have received from Jesus. What I wanna do today is I wanna take you on a little journey through the book of Colossians to help you understand what God, what Jesus have been doing for you. And once I'm done, I'm just gonna ask you, what are you gonna do about it? Starts off Colossians chapter one, verse 12. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. <coughs> Excuse me. He has qualified you at all of our locations, online. If you're online, type it in the chat. I just want everybody on the count of three to say qualified. One, two, three, qualified. He has qualified you. A long time ago when you used to be able to actually go into banks and you could talk to a person at the bank because you decided you wanted to get a house, you would go in there and you would present your pay stubs and you would turn in your account information and you would give them your net worth summary and you would give them uh, your, your social security number so they could 
run your credit score and then they would crunch the numbers and then they would qualify you for an amount. This is better than this. This is Jesus coming along and giving you a gift. He's providing the down payment, he's making the payments, and he's letting us use his credit score. He's not just co-signing the note, he's taking over the note. And what is he qualifying you for? Not the house you were looking at. He's not qualifying you for the house you could afford. He's qualifying you for what the Bible calls a heavenly inheritance in the kingdom of light. I qualified for death. He qualified me for eternal life. I qualified for hell, and he qualified me, and he qualified you for a heavenly inheritance. He has qualified you. Uh, Colossians chapter one, verse 13 says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In our bootstrap culture, we tend to think of how we got to where we are because of how hard we worked, how often we studied, and how consistently we made the right choices. But that is not how we entered into this relationship with Jesus. We entered into a relationship with Jesus because you and I were the subject of a heavenly rescue mission. There was a meeting about the peril that you were in and the peril that I was in. And God sent SEAL Team 6 and Jesus Christ down to rescue me, to rescue you. He's the knight in shining armor. You and I are the damsel in distress. He comes down and he braves the storm and he jumps into the icy waters and he swims to us and throws us the life preserver. And all we had to do was grab on and hold on, we've been rescued at all of our locations. Online, can I get you to say at the count of three, rescued, one, two, three, rescued. You've been qualified, you've been rescued, but you've also been redeemed. We racked up a debt that we could not pay, we had a bill that we could not come up with the cash for, and he comes in and he covers us, he redeems us. We were ransomed by our sin, and he comes and he says, I'll pay it. Not only that, he forgives us. Now this gets deep really fast, because all of us have people that we have hurt, and we want their forgiveness, and how hard is it to get? And there are people that have wronged us, and how hard is that forgiveness to give? And every time that you and I collectively have ever sinned, all of it has been stacked up against Jesus. Every time you've sinned against somebody, you have also sinned against him. So the debt you carry with other people and the debt that other people owe you, all of our collective sin against one another, all of the collective forgiveness that each of us owe one another is stacked up on him as well. And in all of that, he still chooses to forgive us. We've been qualified, 
We've been rescued, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. He goes on, Colossians chapter one, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, so they wouldn't exist if it wasn't for him, and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is Jesus, dwell in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the image of God. If you wanna know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. The fullness of God is represented in the presence of Jesus. And in him, all things were created. That means that every tree, every mountain, every flower, every stream, every ocean, every star, every galaxy, every person of every race, they were all made through him and created for him. And in him, we are reconciled to God. He comes along and he makes peace between us and God. There was a consequence to our sin. It alienated us, it made us enemies of God. And Jesus comes in and he reconciles the relationship by paying the price that we owed God. And he did that through the cross and through the shedding of his blood. Colossians chapter 121 says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that is held out to us in the gospel. Because of Christ's work, you have been made holy in God's sight. He has cleaned you up. He has perfected you in himself. We have been hidden in Christ. When God looks at us, we're holy. There's no blemish and there's nobody to bring an accusation against you. If I were to have any of you at all of our locations stand up and say, could anybody accuse this person of sinning? I think all of us would go, don't pick me. Because we've all seen one another sin. When you stand in the heavenly court, there is no accusation because everything you've done has been hidden in Christ. We've been made holy in him without blemish, free from accusation. Colossians chapter two says this, 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He came along and he made me and he made you alive. He brought us from death to life. We were once indebted, we were once condemned, but Jesus has taken it away. It is gone. If you are looking for my shame, I'll tell you where you can find it. It's nailed to a cross. If you're looking for my guilt, I'll tell you where you can find it. It's been nailed to a cross. If you're looking for my cursing, if you're looking for my lying, if you're looking for my lusting, if you're looking for my greed, if you're looking for my hypocrisy, I'll tell you where you can find it. I don't have it. It's been nailed to a cross. So let's recap. This is for me and for you. It's, I don't just get this, we all get this. You've been qualified, you've been given a heavenly inheritance, you've been rescued, he's redeemed you, forgiven you, created you, held you together, reconciled you, made peace between you and God, presented you as holy and blameless and free of accusation. He's brought us from death to life and he's canceled our debt. Is there anybody at all of our locations who's going, I get it. And I could, I could stop right there. We could all sing a really good song and we could all go home. But great acts of love demand a response. And what do people like you and me do in light of a love like that? And what people like me and you do in response to a love like that tells us an awful lot about us. And if you're wondering, what do you do? The cool news is Paul tells us exactly what to do in the very same book. This is what he says. Colossians chapter one, verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy. Everybody, all of our locations say worthy. Worthy of the Lord. And please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Work to please him in every way. Bear fruit in every good work, growing in your knowledge of God. You know what pleases your kids. You know what pleases your spouse. You know what pleases your neighbor. You know what pleases your family. Would you spend a little time figuring out what pleases your Lord and would you do it? Well, he tells you what pleases him. Faith pleases God. Love pleases God. Live a life in response to what he has done for you in every single way. That means that when you get up, get up away in a way that's worthy of the Lord. When you drive, when you shop, when you talk, when you, in the way you spend, in the way you give, in the way you respond, in the way you serve, you name it, in every way, live a life worthy of what he's done for you. Colossians chapter three, verses one through four says, <coughs> excuse me, since then you have been raised with Christ, 
Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We are supposed to set our hearts on things above. Not your boat, not your travel trailer, not your golf swing, not your motorcycle, not Pinterest, whatever that is. He's saying, lift your eyes. He's saying, don't, don't focus all of your time and energy on your retirement and while well, your promotion. He's saying, what would, what would happen if you and I were to spend as much time with our minds and hearts focused on heavenly things instead of being consumed all the time with earthly things? How can we live a life that honors God when we focus on the things that are not of God? He's, he's saying to us, would you, would you not just peel your eyes? Would you, would you not just peel your heart? Would you, would you not just peel your mind up and see what God is doing from a heavenly perspective? Would you spend a little time taking a sneak peek into your heavenly inheritance? Would you spend a little bit of time in the upper story instead of being dominated all of the time in the lower story? I wonder how many of us have a long list of all the things that have gone wrong in our lives over the last couple of months, and have we lost sight of all the things that God is still taking care of? Have our eyes have been too, our minds have been too, our hearts have been too? Paul's saying, after everything that God has done for you in the heavenly realm, would you take a peek? All the things that I listed cannot be taken away. No matter what the president says, no matter what the governor says, all the things that Christ has done for you is sealed in heaven on your behalf. We have so much going for us. So Colossians chapter three, uh, verse five, and then seven through 10 says, put to death therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. I'm gonna get mean, so pay attention. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. He, he says, start walking in the newness and put these things to death. Ladies, if there's a bat in your house, you know what you do? You kill it. I've been told my whole life that you're not allowed to kill a bat, but I've never seen that stop a woman. They will go after that thing. If there's a mouse in the house, the mouse is going down. If there's a wasp on the front porch and the kids are scared, that wasp is going to be with wasp Jesus, right? Yeah. Men, track with me. I've seen you. I've seen you decide that you're gonna become a hunter. 
And you all of a sudden are like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta, you know, Bambi's dad's just out there and he's, uh, he needs me to talk to him, I gotta find him. And so what you'll do is, is you'll start walking through stores and you'll find all the different kinds of camo that baby's da uh, Bambi's dad can't see and you'll wear it. And then you'll be like, well, I can't just, I can't just hunt during shotgun season. I also, I, I, you know, I probably, ought to, I, I probably ought to do the black powder season. And then you're like, well, I probably also ought to get a bow so I can hunt almost year round to kill Bambi's dad. And then you start getting magazines and then you start getting different kinds of ammo and you get different kinds of blades. And then you build a closet in your house somewhere that you can put all of your stuff so that way it doesn't get the scent of this regal life that you live. And so you gotta put a, a, a thing in there that takes away all the smell. And then you go and you find the right kind of deer pee and then you soak it in deer pee because when you go out, you are on a mission to kill it, right? I want you to take that kind of ambition, right? That kind of ambition, that kind of focus, that kind of energy, and actually kill something that matters. I want you to kill the sexual immorality that's in you. I want you to kill the lion that's in you. I want you to slay the malice and the greed. I want you to look at that and say, you are dying today because those things are not just killing you, those things are killing the people you love. Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 17 says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. How are we supposed to do this? Well, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on, like you've, you've clothed yourself with all of these. Now, after all of that's done, we put on like the poncho of love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts since we are members of one body and you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of, and be, and sorry, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with, to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He's looking at us and he's saying, take off the malice, take off the sexual morality, take off the anger. And he's saying, I want you to put on something else. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you, put on something else? Oh, I get it all the time. My husbands, you can relate. How many of you husbands, uh, your wife has ever put on an outfit and then asked you if she looked good in it? Now, let me ask you this question. Ladies, why are you asking him? You've seen what he wears. Do you really want his fashion advice? The guy who's excited about the camo pants that he can unzip that become camo shorts is the dude you want telling you whether or not you're okay to go out. Second of all, guys are, they were attracted to you, which is why they married you. You could put on all the bags that you got from High V and make him into a dress, and he'd be like, holla. He has zero fashion sense. This is, what, this is what happens in my life. This is what happens for me. 
I can't dress myself. I am good at a very, very, very small uh, amount of things. And fashion sense, I have zero. Let me explain what I mean by that. About two years ago, I was walking around the house with slippers on, with calf high socks, some Adidas athletic shorts, and I had tucked my shirt into my shorts and I was getting ready to mow. I, I was, at, and, I, and my wife goes, is your shirt tucked into your shorts? And I said, yeah, and I like it. It's so stinking comfy. I'm a whistle away from being a track coach. I am, I am in. And so here's the problem. Because I am so stinking, but I've put on, I don't know how many outfits and getting ready to go somewhere with my wife. And my wife says, I'm not going with you if you're wearing that. So finally, I just said, put my outfits together. So uh, this past Christmas, uh, a group of pe- I had a group of people come over to my house. I pulled out all of my clothes and they put together my preaching outfits. They put them on a Google doc. So I go in and, it's, and I check mark it when I wear that outfit. And then I go to my next outfit that's in the list. Praise, I had a sweater in, 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 in June. You saw me, I wore a sweater in June because for me, I'm not even worried about the weather outside. I'm going, the next one on the document is, so I'm wearing a sweater. Next week, I'm gonna be wearing a hoodie. Okay, it's just how I operate. It is, listen, it is the, it's the jacket or no jacket, shirt, no shirt. It, it's the belt, the pants, and the shoes. The only thing I have say over is whether or not I wear underwear or socks. The two things that nobody ever sees. It's because I don't know what looks good on me. Hopefully they did good, okay? Now here's what I'm saying. Compassion looks good on you. Kindness looks good on you. Put that on. Hey, everybody looks good in humility. Man, take off that rage. Nobody looks good in rage. Nobody looks good in malice, would you? Would you? God is trying to dress us. So that way when we go out in the world, they see something about us. They see something in us and they go, dang, somebody hooked him up, right? He is putting something. How many of you, you've been wearing the wrong thing for too long? and he has purchased for you, he has given you a heavenly stitch fix, and he sent it to your house. It's custom made for you. And he's saying, would you put on what I have on for you? He goes on to say, whatever you do, do it all for the Lord, whether in word or in deed. Here's what I'm saying. In everything you do, do it for him. You thought you were getting coffee for your boss. No, you were getting coffee for Jesus. Uh, You thought you were taking an order over over the phone for a customer. No, you were taking an order over the phone as if that person were Jesus. If you're an employer, uh, you're one of our locations, and if you wish that all of your employees treated all the people that they serve as if they were serving Jesus, you can just do a silent, yeah preach that gospel, preach it, right? And how many of you employees wish that your employer would lead you and talk to you and treat you as if they were talking and treating Jesus? All the employees at the church are like, ooh, I could get down with a place like that. What Jesus is saying to us is that's how I want us to operate. 
That's how you respond to what I've done for you. And then he ends by saying this, let your, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. This is Colossians chapter four. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer everyone. How many of you, uh, you like food? And how many of you, uh, you've eaten something that has too much salt in it? You take one bite, and you just ruined the mashed potatoes. What are, you, what are we doing here, right? How many of you have tasted something that didn't have any salt? Oh, that's way worse. I'd rather have too much salt than not enough, right? He's saying, some of us, we're too salty. And people are like, I can't, I can't get down with the Jesus like that. That is just too much salt. And there's some of you that don't have like any Jesus. And you're confusing because you're like, man, this is supposed to taste good, but no. Just season it. It's like, man, no, I mean, if you go to McDonald's, I've heard that you can go to McDonald's and order fries without salt. Why? That's right. I don't, know where, I don't know where those people should go to church, but it ain't here, okay? Right, this is the church where we put all this, I mean, I'm the guy who's like, put a little extra salt on them fries. Jesus is saying, hey, when you're out there, because salt does two things, it adds flavor and it preserves. The way that you and I interact with other people, it seasons their life and it preserves them by pointing them to Jesus. That is what we're supposed to do once we realize what he has done for us. That's how we respond. And I'm hoping that we'll do just that. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.